2017 and it is time for two nerds in a pod the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy i'm lam also known as mr nice guy did i mention this is episode 26 indeed and i got my co-host with me as always the man the myth the legend maction mac how are things things are good mr nice guy things are good how about for you Dude, life is excellent, man. Life is, is it's just, it's a 10 out of 10. I don't know what to say. Life is perfect, dude. Life is good. Great job. Stand up going great. Beautiful good. wife. Beautiful kids. Great podcast. Uh, what else? Mario Kart coming out this Friday. Life is just excellent, man. But tell me a story, Mac. What's up this week? What interesting went down? Anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to chat about? Let me know. Um, well, let's see. I've made some great progress on the motorcycle. Um, oh, good, good. It is almost entirely disassembled. Um, so now it's just reassembly time. There is one thing that I'm leaving till later is I'm going to leave the front uh, portion of the motorcycle until until I've got everything else back together, and then I'll take off the frame or uh, take off the forks and rebuild the forks. But everything else except for the forks is basically in pieces. So yeah, Actually, that's the opposite of progress. I don't know if you knew that. When you take something apart and it's in pieces, that's not progress. That's like, you give no. me a death stare, and I'm it, just it, kidding, man. I'm just messing around. No, no, no. I just I think that's a fair that's a fair criticism. Um, uh, but but the fun part is that once you've got everything apart, you can clean it, and then after you've got it cleaned, you stick it back together, and everything's like. Like, you know how the worst part about doing mechanical work is that you're going to get filthy, dirty, you're going to get just covered in oil, and your clothes are going to be ruined. That's the, the, But when you've got everything apart, and you've got it clean, and you start putting it back together, it's all, it's all almost like it came from the factory. It's spick and span and clean, and you just put on a light coating of fresh oil on some of the pieces as it goes in, and... and I mean, it's just, it's, it's a thing of beauty. Mac it's is like in love with putting this together motorcycle. a puzzle. I'm telling your wife, man. Oh, she already you're, knows you're I'm in love this with this motorcycle. motorcycle. Like, it's, uh, like it's your lover. It is my lover in the nighttime, yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, on that note, Mac, my week was really good too, man. Um, <clears throat> this weekend was particularly good. I actually ended up taking yesterday off. There's this awesome place in Chicago called Millennial Park. So I went down there. We had some family in town. Went down there with the wife, the kids, the, the people that were in town. And they have like uh, – well, first of all, there's this water fountain that shows faces of people. And uh, it spits water out. So like it looks like they're spitting the water out of these, these uh, TV screens essentially that make up the face. So the kids went. We played in the water, um, ate lunch on, on Lake Michigan. And uh, saw some homeless people with funny signs. I don't want to steal Chris Rock's jokes, but as he always said, if you see a homeless person with a funny sign, they have not been homeless that long. A real homeless person is too hungry to be funny. That's from the great Chris Rock. Mm. Uh, So there were definitely some people down there who I feel were pretending to be homeless that were not really homeless. But to each their own. Uh, Get your hustle on, fake homeless people. 
And there's also the, so there's the, there's the water fountain, there's the fake homeless people, and then additionally there's this really awesome park with like these jungle gyms, rock climbing, rollerblading, all kinds of stuff uh, that you can do. So we went down there and did that, and uh, it was cool. It was fun, man. So life has really been good. Now here's the reason that I think one of these homeless people was a fake homeless person, and I'm actually working on a bit about this because it was so ridiculous. He had a sign that said, "I need forty-five dollars." So I can get a hotel so I can take a shower. I saw your tweet about that. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, he said, I really need a shower. Now, here's my question. Who is he trying to impress? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I don't think that there was like an intervention where his homeless friends said, man, you know, I know that you're on the streets, but you got to step your hygiene game up, man. The NAAHP is going to send you a strongly worded letter and say, hey, you're hurting the image of homeless people by not staying clean. I don't think that happened. Here's the other Nas- thing, Mac. National Association for the Advancement of Homeless People. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. You got it. So now, here's, additionally, man, think about what in downtown Chicago you can't get a hotel for forty-five dollars. That's just the reality. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. If you did, it would not be a place where you would want to shower. I feel like if you got a hotel for forty-five bucks, you would walk in. There'd be hair in the soap. The water coming out would be from Flint, Michigan. Like, it's not the type of hotel that you'd want to stay at. That's all I'm saying, man. That's all I'm saying. Plus, hotels don't take cash. you got to have a credit card. Uh, so I feel like his his fake homelessness was very apparent. Um, and I, I just don't think he was a real homeless person. But that's just my opinion. Mac, that's my story for the week, man. Shall we get right into the news? What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Guys, once again, this is Two Nerds in a Pod. If you're here for the live show, thank you so much. If you're listening afterwards on iTunes, thank you so much as well. I'm going to send out a tweet real quick, Mac, and Galvatron and everyone else who's in here, if you guys would not mind retweeting this from the Two Nerds in a Pod pod, uh, uh, Twitter account, I'd appreciate that. Well, let's get right into the news. We have some really, 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 really good news stories this week, guys. Let's start off talking about everybody's favorite game to hate. Who wants to take a guess what game that is? It's Call of Duty. Breath of the Wild? I'll tell you. Oh, Call Call of of Duty. Duty. Oh, okay. Call of Duty. Uh, This is on GameSpot. It says, because every detail of this year's Call of Duty apparently has to be leaked before it's officially announced, we've now learned that the reported details of Call of Duty World War II Special Edition. It's dubbed the Pro Edition, according to marketing materials from GameStop, shared on Twitter by user Bernie Highroller. The image shows this version comes with the game itself, a steelbook case, and a season pass. Our first confirmation that World War II will have one, meaning a season pass, as expected. It also prominently advertises that the previously leaked beta will be available on PS4 first. Pre-ordering the game guarantees you beta access. Activision confirmed Call of Duty World War II last week, but so far it's only officially shared a name and an image. Additional details have since been revealed through leaks, including low-res in-game screenshots, a November release date, the existence of a co-op mode, excuse me, and the existence of a co-op mode. A reveal live stream is scheduled for tomorrow, April 26th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. BST, where we'll learn more official details. Mac, Call of Duty, it gets leaked every single year, man. I hope I'm talking in the mic enough for you guys to hear me. I just realized I might not have been... Uh, it gets leaked every single year, dude. At this point, don't you think they should have found the mole? Every year about this time, we find out about Call of Duty before they announce the name, before they announce the release date. We know what the theme is going to be. I feel like someone should have been fired by now. Well, 
maybe, maybe they're not all that torn up about the leak. It could be. So you're saying it's a strategic thing? Maybe, possibly. It could be. I don't know. At this stage, though, it's been, I'd say, seven years this has happened where it's been leaked in advance. So I don't know. I, I feel like it's almost you can put on the calendar that it's going to get leaked. And I feel like eventually we're going to have someone leaking that the day that it's going to be leaked because it's we've reached that point where it's not a surprise anymore. Like back in the day, it was pretty exciting. Like, oh, we got some info, info on Call of Duty before it actually was announced. Now it's just like, oh, yeah, it happened again. So I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, we got more news stories. Uh, let's keep it moving. So, Mac, you probably heard about this story. This is on Game Rant, and I'll just go ahead and read it if my phone will work. It says Zelda Breath of the Wa- excuse me, Zelda Breath of the NES still has I, I skipped the first three paragraphs. I'm I'm failing in my news reading today. Let's go back to the beginning of the article. It says, without a doubt, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is already being considered by many reviews and fans to be one of the greatest, if not the best, game of the year. That doesn't make sense. Uh, As it has inspired fans around the world to explore the title's lush and expansive environments, and it has also encouraged them to play the action-adventure game with an inquisitive nature and eye for experimentation. As a matter of fact, this nearly universal love for the recently released Switch and Wii U title has also motivated fans like Winter Drake, a.k.a. YouTube's Micropig Gaming, to make pet projects, such as their 2D version of the game. As seen in the trailer for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild's fan-made 2D version known as Zelda Breath of the NES, Drake has made it a free game available for Windows PC that draws inspiration from the two-dimensional prototype that Nintendo originally used to lay the groundwork for Breath of the Wild, of which it showed off at this year's Game Developers Conference. Long story short, ladies and gentlemen, this is another fan project, a passion project. Uh, Legend of the Zelda Breath of the NES reimagines Zelda Breath of the Wild as an NES title. It looks cool. It looks fun. Uh, Mac, there's only one question I have for you, man, and anyone else in the chat who wants to answer. How long will it take for Nintendo to shut this down? (sighs) Well, let's see. The last time uh, Nintendo shut a fan project down that, uh, that got as much attention would have been another Metroid 2 remake. And that only took around the neighborhood of a, a week or so after it wound up hitting the big news, uh, the big gaming news sites. So um, my expectation is that in about uh, six more days or so, um, now the game itself has been available for downloading for the past six or seven days or so. I actually got it a couple of days before it uh, showed up on the radar. Oh, how, um, how is it? Is it good? I haven't I haven't played it yet. Um, I have to say that while I did download it, um, I haven't actually queued it up yet because I've just been so busy with work. And then I get home and I just want to veg and watch television. Sure. So, uh, so I haven't done any gaming, any playing of it yet. But I'll give you a full report after I do. But, uh, but yeah, I expect it's going to be shut down very, very quickly. So it sounds um, like it, it is indeed. You just said it's available for download now. Mm-hmm, like correct. Said. Okay. Perfect. Correct, and I'll actually link it for those who are here currently and want to have a look. So for those of you who are interested in having uh, in having a look at it, there's the link straight to it. That way you guys can download it for yourselves, and uh, if you like it, great. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, welcome to the stream, everybody who's here for the first time. I see we have some new viewers. Uh, thank you for coming through, and thank you once again, all those of you who have retweeted the tweet. It gets more people in here, uh, so we appreciate that. Uh, Mac, I think that you're right, man. I think it's going to be less than a week. I'm sure Nintendo already is writing the cease and desist order, uh, so I will have to go download that bad boy tonight. Well, cool. We do have some more news stories. Let's get right back into it. This next one is also a Nintendo-related story. Uh, this is on GameSpot as well. It says the Nintendo Switch will be back in stock at Toys R Us this week alongside the launch of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, a retailer has announced. Excuse me, the retailer has announced. A representative for the company told GameSpot that all stores across the United States will have a limited inventory of the consoles this Friday, March 28th. Quote, like our previous inventory drops of this hot item, we recommend that customers get in line at their local store before doors open at 10 a.m. on Friday, the spokesperson explained. Toys R Us won't be the only store with the Switch units in stock on Friday. Earlier this week, Best Buy announced that it would have consoles available on Mario Kart 8, Delu excuse me, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe launch day. In Russia, Nintendo will offer a Switch bundle that comes with a copy of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, but this is exclusive to that country. Unlike the Wii and Wii U, there are no bundled games with the Switch. Uh, and it says that the review got a 9 out of 10 on GameSpot. So, guys, if you're looking for a Switch, guys and girls, if you're looking for a Switch... You're in luck. Go stand in line at Toys R Us and fight some people, uh, just like it's Black Friday, and you have a good chance of getting one. Uh, and guys, I will be picking up Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I will let you know next week on the podcast what I think of it. Uh, that's one of the main reasons I got the Switch, play that with the family. Um, got some more news stories. Mac, did you have any news stories today, or should I just keep rolling through these, man? Um, I was actually lying in wait to bring up Breath of the NES if oh, you didn't get to it. So, uh, so actually, no, I, I, I don't have anything. Great so minds keep think on alike, rolling. man. This is why we're co-hosts, dude. It just goes to show you guys, we collaborate on this, but we don't talk beforehand. So, like, anytime I ask Mac a question, like, what do you think about this news story? It's not scripted. It's mm -hmm. off the cuff. It's a legitimate question where I want to know his opinion because we don't collaborate as far as the content that we are going mm -hmm. to share on the show. And anytime uh, I throw out what the kicker kicks start or I throw out there the legalese, those reactions from Mr. Nice Guy are completely genuine. Even the rage, especially the rage. Mm -hmm. at especially the rage. You, guys. you know how I can be a critic of Kickstarter. Uh, moving on, next story comes from Kotaku. This is about a game that lots of you fighting game fans are looking forward to. Uh, it says September 19th. That's when you'll be playing Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. The next entry in the on-again, off-again, will they or won't they fighting uh, game crossover series on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and or PC. Besides announcing the game's release date, Capcom officially let loose the news about the new characters joining the two-on-two -two tag team game's roster of fighters. From the Capcom side, there's Street Fighter's Chun-Li, Resident Evil's Chris Redfield, and Strider's Strider. The Marvel heroes include Thor, Hawkeye, Hulk, and everybody, uh, everybody's favorite foul-mouthed... Pro I can't pronounce this right. Pro-Sinoid Pro Rocket Raccoon, the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know what species he is. I can't pronounce it. But wait, there's more. Ultratron will also join the battle, as well as Mega Man X antagonist. I'll let you guess. Which character, Mac, do you think is coming from Mega Man X? You're a Mega Man ooh, guy. Um, ooh, it's, it's going to be Zero. Nope, it's Sigma. You can play Sigma. Sigma, I know. Interesting. Although the latter will have to be purchased separately via the post-launch character pass DLC. 
Maybe it was too much to program in uh, somebody for Zero to sacrifice himself for every time he dies. Dude, that would have been a good move, though. Like, let's say, uh, let's say you get, you know, have you ever played Marvel vs. Capcom games? I have never. There are special moves, essentially. You can build up, uh, like, I'm trying to think, like a reserve of power, for lack of a better term, and then you can mm-hmm. unleash it to do a special move. That could have been a cool move, Zero. Your move is you sacrifice yourself and just nuke everything, and you automatically win the match. That could have been very, very annoying and trolly, but they could have done it. Max looking at me like I'm crazy. No, no, you're not crazy. Not one bit. Gotcha. Not one bit. He said that with no confidence. Moving on, guys. GameInformer.com has a a news story here. And, guys, I'm sorry I'm ignoring the chat. Let's see what people are saying in the chat because I know we got a few new people in here. Uh, People are just saying it's pay to win. I don't know what that's in reference to. Someone says, I was at PlayStation Experience in Anaheim last December, and I saw the debut trailer live. Everyone in the Anaheim Convention Center went nuts. I don't doubt it. Marvel vs. Capcom is one of the more unique fighting games. Plus, people really love Marvel right now. Like, Mac, I know you're not a fighting game guy, but let's say that they put Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage in the game. Would you at least give it a shot on PC, or would you still be like, nope, I'm only about the co-op and the retro? I know that's your Uh, stick, man. uh, Maybe. Uh, Maybe. I do love Jessica Jones. I do love love Luke Cage. And Daredevil's all right. You know, for a blind guy. For a blind guy, bro. Yeah, for a blind guy. That's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. <laughs> Max opinions do not necessarily represent the opinions of two nerds in a pod, podcast, or anyone else. All right, anyway, guys, uh, next news story about Ubisoft. A lot of you probably saw this. Uh, it says Vivendi has steadily acquired shares of Ubisoft for more than a year now, but apparently Vivendi will be speeding up its acquisition plans for the game company. According to Reuters, Vivendi is expected to move forward with a move to acquire the gaming giant within the year. Sources within the company tell Reuters that the accelerated timeline is in part a move to smooth over relations with shareholders who are apparently losing faith in Vivendi's leadership. The company's shares have fallen 3% over as many years. One of the sources said that if the ultimate price of a takeover is too high, Vivendi's leadership should consider acquiring companies in China. Vivendi currently owns 25.15% of Ubisoft. Though as said, though it said as recently as December that it was not considering acquiring control of acquiring control of the company within the next six months. So if essentially they're trying to take over Ubisoft, which if you ask me, a hardcore Ubisoft fan, Ubisoft has not been producing games of a quality like they used to. Uh, it's been four years since we had a Splinter Cell game. Uh, they recently cut back on the amount that they're doing with the Assassin, Assassin's Creed franchise. They used to do it annually. Now they they stepped it down. Um, they they still have Far Cry, which is well-liked. The Division started off slow, and they're starting to make a comeback with that. So I don't know, man. Maybe some new leadership could be a good thing for it. Mac, you got an opinion on this one? You can defer if you don't, man. I know you're not really a... I will defer. Okay, fair enough. We'll We'll leave it at that. And uh, let's see, we got a couple more news stories, and then we will move on to our next segment. Uh, this next one is about Nintendo again. Let's share this. And actually, you know what? We might end the news on this tonight. So this this story is on Destructoid.com. It says... <laughs> All right, my, my phone, man, is just killing me. It says, last year's E3 was a special one for Nintendo. The company dedicated its entire show floor presence to the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. 
And the article just started reloading. For some I reason. would certainly argue that that has paid dividends, given the fact that that sales of uh, of Breath of the Wild have actually exceeded um, the sales of of the Switch, which isn't too surprising since you can also buy Breath of the Wild on uh, on Wii U. Oh, Wii U. But yeah. uh, but for the Switch being Nintendo's fastest selling. Uh, product and then for Breath of the Wild, this launch title to outpace that. You know, I mean, clearly, if they were hoping to sell Breath of the Wild, I think they succeeded. It's true. Although I did notice, I was reading some other article that said Breath of the Wild was not the best-selling game in March, and it leaves me right now what game was. But there was another game that outsold it, and it was something kind of unexpected. I'll look it up later, and we'll talk about it later on in the show. Uh, but the article goes on to say, uh, in reference to Breath of the Wild at E3 last year, a move that seemed questionable going into the expo, but ended up paying off, as Mac just said. This year, it's too early for a specific lineup just yet, but presumably Nintendo's E3 2017 booth will be more in line with what the company has put together in prior years. Besides new Switch and maybe even 3DS game announcements... The author says, I'm hopeful we'll get Virtual Console and SNES Mini News. One thing we do know for sure is that there will be a pre-release Splatoon 2 exhibition tournament. Details for the event are about as non-existent as you'd expect, but I wouldn't be surprised if this takes the form of something like the Super Smash Bros. Invitational held in E3 2014. So, for all of you Splatoon fanboys, you can fully expect that there will be an E3 Splatoon 2 tournament uh, if you're planning on, on going to that. Now, last thing we'll do, and I've been bad at doing this uh, over the past few weeks, we'll talk about games that came out this week as part of our news segment, and then we'll move on. Uh, Tuesday, which is today, we have Batman Arkham VR for the Oculus Rift and HTC Vive. As you know, it was previously released for the PS4. Dragon Quest Heroes came out today, PC, PS4. Outlast 2, everyone's favorite horror game, PC, PS4, Xbox One. Puyo Puyo Texas, excuse me, Tetris. Uh, Shovel Knight, Spectre of Torment. On the PS4, uh, Sniper Ghost Warrior 3, uh, Legend of the Death Witch, Symphony of the Machine, and uh, a couple others. That's that's most of it. Now, later in the week, we have Mario Kart 8 on Friday and Little Nightmares on PC, PS4, Xbox One. A few other games. Those are the major ones. Mac, I've done my share of talking, man. It's all, all right. You. Let's keep it going. Next segment, man. Can do. So the next little segment is a thing called Gaming History. And... Um, Interestingly enough, what I'll do is I'll, I'll go and I'll look through what games have come out in years past since we did the show last, which in this case, you know, would have been since last week. And sadly, Mr. Nice Guy, I must admit, there have been not that many games that have come out in years past at the end of April. It's not April's a big time just, for games. Yeah. yeah, April's not a big time for games. But I was able to find a couple that I think are definitely worth talking. Um definitely worth talking about. And one would happen to be a little event in 1998 that's not so much a game release as it is a historical moment in gaming. And that happens to be in 1998, the Pokemon Company was founded. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. Of course. So as so many of I, us I was know hoping and remember... You would say, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I thought you were going to do the background noises. Oh. It's too late. It's too late, Mac. It's too late, man. I closed my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, so the Pokemon Company um, was founded uh, on the 23rd of uh, of April in 1998. And my goodness, I can think of um, there are a few games that I can think of that uh, that I played as much in my youth as Pokemon. Uh, this, of course, had a lot to do with a friend of mine who had both red and blue because he was rich. And so he gave me red and he hung on to blue. And there I was in my big gray brick Game Boy playing, uh, playing Pokemon Red and we traded Pokemon. I mean, it's just endless uh, uh, summers of fun seriously summers of fun and it started with of course uh, the foundation of the Pokemon company um, which happened in 1998 um, in 2005 another fun little title that was released um, was Psychonauts Psychonauts Mr. Nice Guy do you remember Psychonauts? I absolutely do now I didn't really play it that much but I absolutely mm -hmm. remember it yeah I think it was on GameCube. I don't know what other consoles it was on, but that's uh, where I re seem to remember playing yeah. it. GameCube, I do believe PlayStation and uh, Windows. Um, I do know that there was a Windows uh, Windows release. But man, Psychonauts was just fantastic. Among other things, um, it had voice acting. So the main character, Rasputin, was voiced by the same guy who did Dag from the Angry Beavers, as well as Zim from Invader Zim. Um, so he did the voice acting for the main character. It was, of course, a Tim Schafer, uh, Double Fine Productions. Uh, just a wonderful game all in all. Um, there are some very surprising moments in the game and some other kind of, uh, kind of disturbing moments as the whole point of the game is that you jump into other people's minds and kind of, you know, sort things out, solve puzzles and such. Um, and... It's a very long story, but I actually owe my, um, I owe a, a specific decision. Okay, yep, no, I'm going to tell the story. Okay? Tell the story, man. This is, this story is time with action. So, um, so when I first played, uh, played Psychonauts, a friend of mine had the game, and one of the first uh, psyches that you jump into is uh, is the psyche of one of, like, I guess he's your trainer, right? So he's the guy who's responsible for kind of training you how to use your psychic powers and all that sort of thing. And his brain, his mind was organized like a Rubik's Cube. Um, and he was just, it was meant like every character's minds in that game, um, you know, were kind of a bit like what you would expect from their personality traits and their actions. And anyway, so his mind was just put together like a Rubik's Cube. And I just remember thinking, man, I wish my brain was like ordered like that, you know, that everything was in its place, that things fit together right. So actually in Are my you saying uh, that your mind isn't like that? Um I would like to think that my mind is more ordered these days than it was back in those days. But but I made a concerted effort that I would actually try and like think more clearly. If I, I I'm having a lot of trouble expressing this, but legitimately i wanted to think more clearly so when uh when i was in my freshman year at university i actually took some classes specifically aimed at that i i took i signed up for some classes specifically because i thought you know this could make my brain work more like a rubik's cube 
And so I signed up for some classes just on that sort of idea alone. So thank you to the makers of Psychonauts for helping make some of my freshman uh, classes easier to pick. Um, there you go. That's why I go. love Psychonauts. I know, I, I know it's crazy. There's one last very cool, very groundbreaking, very noteworthy, very amazing thing that happened. In, uh, at this time in, in April. In 1992, Mr. Nice Guy, The Simpsons aired. Oh, really? On nice. television. Indeed. And I feel like The Simpsons has also, just as much as any game, shaped my humor. Now, I'm trying to think, like, what's the equivalent of a show that's out today that's, that's kind of like The Simpsons? Because I remember at the time, like... The Simpsons was almost kind of controversial, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I remember being in first grade and the teachers being like, The Simpsons is not a good show for you boys and girls to be watching, like, trying to tell us what we should be doing at home. And, uh, and I mean, there's been shows since then. There's been, like, South Park and, you know, Family Guy and, and other shows in that vein. But I'm trying to think of something But really, now. haven't all of those other shows just been trying to chase The Simpsons? Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like South Park has almost, like, surpassed. Maybe not, but you don't think so? No, no. I heartily dislike South Park, and I think it's oh, yeah, yeah, practically then... a waste of a, a waste of, uh, of, air, of airwaves. Now, when but you were younger, just... though, did you, were you, like, ever drawn to it or not really? You, were never, you no. never thought it was amusing? I thought it was hilarious as a kid, you know what I mean? As like a teenager, I thought it was funny, but that's just me. That's just me. I feel like now there's too much. It's oversaturated with cartoons, so there's nothing really you can compare and say this cartoon is this generation's Simpsons. You know what I mean? Because there's too much stuff out there. There's like the Bob's Burgers, the F is for Family. There's just too many. So, well, I suppose then what what's the more accurate thing is Simpsons in a lot of ways was very game changing because and in some ways it was game changing because it used you know it took an animated spin on being more adult like it used its genre differently i i feel like that's kind of what made simpsons special so i i guess what i think could be the accurate uh thing is if we're trying to find something that uses its genre um in a different way like that maybe maybe that's what we're looking for when we're looking for something to accurately compare the simpsons to yeah yeah and bart simpson man such a rebel i think that's why the teachers didn't like uh, like kids watching him, but well, cool guys. That was our gaming history. We got any more uh, games for that segment, Mac? Or nope. Like I said, it was kind of slim pickings, but nonetheless, everyone, everyone featured this afternoon. I think is was well worth discussing. I think so too. Awesome. Well, guys, our next segment is one of my favorites. It's called the viewer question of the week. The section where you ask us a question and we answer it. I think I should just keep the intro to it as simple as that. Uh, you can submit those questions, though, to two nerds in a podcast at gmail.com or two nerds in a pod at gmail, or excuse me, two nerds in a pod on Twitter. Uh, our question today comes from Galvatron. He wants to know, he starts off with a statement. He says, 2017 is 33% done. What is your game of the year so far? Now, one thing about this podcast, guys, you have to keep in mind is that Mac and I are very different in our gaming preferences. I am like 95% on consoles, you know, the PS4, the Switch. 
um, you know, the 3DS, things like that. Mac is more of a PC mobile guy. So our, our personal games may not be as mainstream as you'd expect, but that said, we can give you answers, and maybe we won't even tell you games that are like the best, but it could just be a game that we've enjoyed in 2017 uh, that was something we was that was in our backlog or something. You know, it, it could be something from 2016 that we're just getting around to. So that said, Mac, do you want to lead off, or uh, or should I take this one first? Um, you know, I'll lead off, but I'll lead off with a uh, with a kind of an odd one. Um, I have uh, I have really enjoyed, really enjoyed. Um, of new games, okay? I've really enjoyed Mega Man Legacy Collection. And I know this is a cop-out because, because after all, um, it is just kind of a re-release of some nice, of some oldies from the late 80s and early 90s. And um, I, strictly speaking, already have those games, just not on PC. Um, but the more I've been playing, and I've been playing a lot of Mega Man Legacy Collection, of the games that have been released lately, that's the one that I've been enjoying the most. Sweet. Now, speaking of games that are being re-released and things like that, did you see that they're making a new Sonic game? Yes, it yes, I good. did. I was going to share it in news, but I didn't get around to it. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, it does name, look. It looks really, really good. Um. Oh gosh, it's not. It's not Sonic. I'll. I'll. I'll find it. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, it just looks great. They're redoing some of the old levels. Uh, looks like obviously it's in HD graphics. Uh, it's gonna be on PC, PS4, Xbox One. Sonic Forces. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, and I would love to see that game. I know we're getting a little off topic, but I would love to see it make Sonic relevant again. Uh, Sonic was so great, and, and you know I feel like it was always second fiddle to Mario, and probably always will be. But it'd be great to have another side-scrolling retro platformer, legitimate uh, like mascot character that uh, that could could do some big things. And you know they always try to do too much with it. They try to do Sonic in 3D and Sonic Pinball and all this other stuff. Not every character is as versatile as Mario. Just stick to the side-scrolling stuff, and I think Sonic could be excellent. So. Uh, that said, my game of the year is an easy, it is actually a mainstream game, and it is actually kind of an obvious choice, and I've got to go with Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, Nintendo, for all their faults, stepped their game up with this game more than any other game that I have ever played by Nintendo. I'm trying to think if there's ever been a jump in one game in a franchise to the next that was as big as the jump between this Zelda and the previous one. Um, it's absolutely like playing Skyrim with Zelda characters, not mechanically, but just in the, the, the breadth, no pun intended, the breadth and the depth of the game. Uh, there's so much to do. There's hours and hours of playtime. It's open world. There's exploration. The characters have personality. The story is, you know, as compelling as it can be for that franchise. Uh, it the gameplay is solid, uh, so I mean, I, I feel like it's the game of the year until you know maybe Red Dead Redemption Two comes out. That game could challenge it. Uh, I'll have to admit I have not gotten around to Horizon Zero Dawn yet, but I think that between those three games, unless something else like not not The Last of Us because that's not coming out this year, The Last of Us Two, but unless a surprise game you know, similar to how we were kind of surprised by The Last of Us in 2010. Unless something like that comes out and just blows everything out of the water, I think that it's it's pretty much going to be Legend of Zelda 
Red Dead Redemption or Horizon Zero Dawn that wins Game of the Year. For me, it's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And that's what I had for this segment, guys. Let us know in the chat what you think is going to be the game of the year. And Mac, you got our next segment, man? I do indeed. So welcome once again, those of you who are listening to us on your commute or otherwise, and those of you who are here live to Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the known universe. So this next little segment is a little thing, takes some interactive, uh, interactive tones called kick or kickstart. This is where I'll present a crowdfunding campaign that's currently going on. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit, answer some questions, we'll see if it uh, if it jumps through the hoops that needs to be, and then what we'll do is we'll take your advice at the end, and you can say whether you think it should be kicked out of here, kicked to the curb, or whether you think it should be kickstarted. So let's get right to it with a wonderful little title called Forsaken Castle. Now I'm going to put the link in the chat so that you can go ahead and take a look at it. And just taking a quick look at the Kickstarter, if you looked at that and said, hmm, Mac, that looks a lot like Castlevania, boy, are you right. It is almost, almost, but not quite an unabashed um, Castlevania clone. Um, Side-scrolling platformer? Check. Action RP with some RPG elements? Check. Single-player experience? Check. Length? Somewhere around the neighborhood of six hours or so. Lots of backtracking, lots of Metroid to it, lots of, uh, lots of Castlevania style in it. Check, check, check all the freaking boxes at once. And I love it. It's got some good 16-bit style to it, some pretty good, uh, some pretty good art direction and art assets to it. I feel like it's a little, like sometimes it's a little bit too moody. Uh, like you know, the the tone is just a little bit too dark on the on the art for my taste. But hey, you know, not every game can be absolutely idyllic for me. But nonetheless, there we go. And I. I'm a real big fan of of Forsaken Castle. And to top it all off, to top it all off, you want a DRM uh, free copy of the game? 15 bucks on Kickstarter. At the current moment, with 28 days left to go, it is 60% of the way to its goal with a estimated delivery of October of this year. So perfect timing for a spooky game to come out. Now, a couple of items that I'm not so sure about is that there isn't currently going to be a uh, an alpha, a closed alpha or a closed beta or anything like that for you to back and get in on. And even though that's not always necessary in a game, I do kind of like that in my Kickstarters, being able to, you know, get access to it a little bit early. Um, but, you know, say la vie. Not every box of my preference list is going to be checked. Mr. Nice Guy, what's your take on it? Dude, I don't know, man. I honestly feel like I'm about to rip this apart. So go no, for no it. No disrespect to you no. guys who are making Forsaken Castle. I'm sure you're going to hear this and uh, <laughs> and not like me. But here's the thing. So... First of all, I hope it gets funded, but it's not going to get funded by me. Um, six hours, 
I mean, I, I don't know, man. A six-hour game. So think about how much The Walking Dead. I don't know if you've played the episodic games by Telltale. Mm-hmm. Each each episode is, they're not six hours, but they're maybe a couple hours. You know what I mean? And they're each five bucks. So I don't know. I don't feel like $15 for a six-hour game is worth it. Now, that said, there has been some, excuse me, six-hour DLC. Like, I believe the DLC for The Last of Us was probably around six hours, and it cost $15. But that was after the game had established itself and people wanted to get the DLC to see what was going to happen or, or rather what happened in the prelude to the game. So that was a different situation. I don't think that a game this short with this type of graphics is really acceptable, especially, you know, when we get experiences like Cave Story for free. Um, so that's just my stance. And then, you know, when I look at this breakdown of why they feel they should be on Kickstarter, it talks about how games can be expensive and time consuming. But it says that essentially 60% of the costs that they need for the game are going to go towards making music. Come on. Come on. 30% are at 10% fees. I don't know. To me, that's not really logical. I don't feel like you should be spending that much of your resources on music. Because frankly, no one has ever said, you know what? This gameplay was awesome. The story was awesome. The graphics were awesome. The name was awesome. But you know what? I got to give this game a 6 out of 10 because the music was just terrible. No one's ever said that before. So I don't think that they're really allocating an appropriate amount of money, an appropriate amount of funds to what really matters to make the game good. Last criticism, and then we'll move on. Uh, The rewards. I feel like they're over the top. I, I mean, I see the $5 thank you in wallpaper, blah, blah, blah. 15 bucks for the game, a digital copy. 25 digital and name and credits, but I mean, then it just jumps up at the $150 point to, you know, they're giving you perler beads, um, and I don't know, I mean, I could make, make some perlers on my own. Oh, really? Prove it. Pixar, it didn't happen. (laughs) It it comes with other stuff, an SNES collector's box and, and things like that. Uh, which is kind of cool, but I don't know. I, I think that uh, if you're going to ask people for that much money, you should give them some way better rewards. And then it jumps up to 300 where you get a T-shirt, art book, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I wish them the best of luck. Not a game that I'm going to personally uh, kickstart, but I, I hope it works out for them, especially since it looks like one of the consoles that they're aiming to go on is the Nintendo Switch. I'm going to say kick it, though, and that's me. Well, Mr. Nice Guy has said kick it. Um, I am not. Uh, I am not swayed by Mr. Nice Guy's misgivings. Uh, although I was pretty darn sure that you were going to hit all of those, um, so that's why I didn't say anything about it. Because I'm like, Mr. Nice Guy's definitely going to wanna wanna talk about this. Yeah, sixty percent. For music does seem a little bit um, strange. I honestly would have expected it to be like thirty percent or music, sixty percent art on on their costs. But what do I know about Kickstarter? But what I do know for sure about this one is that there is that one that one criteria that I have that absolutely needs to be done for me to consider backing your game, and that is to have a downloadable, playable demo. And there is one for this game. And suddenly the clouds open up, the light shines down, and you hear angelic choirs singing, because there is, there's a playable demo, Mr. Nice Guy, and I have played it. And it's not the greatest, I won't lie. I have been spoiled by some fantastic, um, fantastic 
um, Metroidvanias like Chasm. Uh, but you know, I really do see the potential after having tried the demo. And so I'm going to throw down my 15 bucks. I'm certainly not going to pledge $400 to, uh, to get you know, my likeness in pixels added to the game. Although, just as an FYI to anybody who's planning on doing a Kickstarter, I would absolutely love um, my... I would absolutely love my... Uh, uh, love to have my likeness inside of a game. I knew it. Me too. Me too. But I don't want to pay $400 for it. If it was at $100... I would probably go for that, you know, depending upon if it was like a lean month or not, or if I was, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I had some money to, if I had some money at the end of the month, and they were like a hundred dollars for you to get your, you know, your likeness in the game, I'd do that. I really would. But four hundred, way too much. Way too much. But so I say, I say, kickstart. Mister Nice Gay Guy says, kick. Go ahead into the chat whether or not you think this should be kicked out of here or whether it should be kick started and that is what we've got for kick or kick start mr nice guy over to you with your favorite segment my favorite segment you guys know what time it is it's time for the dummy of the week 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 a segment of the show where we talk about people who have done stupid things, idiotic things, downright dumb things in relation to gaming. Now, I will say that this week's entry is loosely related to gaming, but it deals with robbery, as many of our, our dummies of the week do. This is on Newsday.com. Uh, it says, Long Island's serial knife point robber, or excuse me, Long Island's serial knife point robber is getting more brazen hitting a West Babylon convenience store in broad daylight Tuesday and an electronic stop in Merrick hours later in what experts say is an attempt to throw cops off his trail by changing his behavior. The suspect, who has consistently covered his face, making it difficult for cops to create a sketch, has struck a dozen businesses in Nassau and Suffolk since mid-February, even as cops have intensified patrols and harnessed technology to crack the case. The latest two robberies came in on Tuesday with an afternoon holdup at the Barn Convenience Store in West Babylon and an evening hit of a GameStop in Merrick, both of which broke the mold for the robber. Until then, he had only struck under the cover of darkness, targeting Carvel ice cream stores, Subway sandwich shops, and Dunkin' Donuts franchises. No one has ever been injured in any of the heists during which the robber had brandished a machete or large kitchen knife. Cops won't say how much money he's stolen, blah, blah, blah. Quote, a quote from the police, I think he knows the cops are going to surveil the areas, so he's going to new places, but still places he knows are going to carry lots of cash. Okay, so this might not seem like it's that dumb of a story. It might seem kind of simple, but here's the thing. Criminals, sometimes they outsmart the police, right? They outsmart the detectives, but this guy is really not doing anything crazy, so honestly, the, the police department in this area is our dummy of the week. Here's why. Criminals are going to change their behavior. It's up to them to be able to be smart enough to outsmart the criminal. You can't be like, oh, man, this guy was robbing stuff at night. Now he's robbing stuff during the day. Plus, he's always wearing a face mask, so we don't know how we're ever going to catch him. Oh, no, he robbed a subway. Now he robbed a GameStop. This is crazy. How are we ever going to catch this guy? I, maybe I'm just being being overly critical, but to me, 
this is not that big of a challenge. Like you should, you should use some other resources, use some technology, use the cameras. You know what I mean? Uh, to to catch the guy. Don't say, oh well, he's changing his behavior until we can't catch him. This one may not be as funny as our typical dummy of the week, but that's what I got for you guys this week. That's it, Mac. Well, Mr. Nice Guy, it truly was a dummy. <laughs> I don't know how to take I mean, that. No, no, no. I mean, I... I I'll take it as positive. I'll like take it as positive. I, no, no, it, it's positive. And, and I see what you're saying about the police department, you know. But also, he changed up his M.O. by no longer obscuring his face. Yeah, which should make it easier for him to get caught. Yeah. Yeah, and I forgot so, to point that out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm just like, dude, you're the dummy for for going from wearing a balaclava all the time to just having your face out there. It's insane. It's insanity. Um well, anyway. So, yeah, yeah. So so anyway, on to uh the last segment of our show is a little thing called legalese. Legalese. Where we talk about uh, some of the things that may be going on right now um, that could impact the future of gaming, or sometimes things in the past that have brought us to where we are now. And this one is an ongoing case, a case that's just barely started, and it involves a uh, it involves a company that's making an augmented reality game and uh, Milwaukee County of the state of Milwaukee. A little bit of background will be helpful to understand what's going on here. So is there anybody here who, I mean, maybe they recollect um, a, an augmented reality game, came out a little while ago, was kind of a big deal, Pokemon Go, no, nobody's heard of it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, it was kind of a niche thing. Not everybody around the world was doing, but apparently it was a big deal in Milwaukee. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, it was a big deal in Milwaukee, Mr. Nice Guy. And and apparently one of the things that was kind of unintended about it was that in Milwaukee, it wound up bringing a lot of people out to parks in, the, in Milwaukee County. Um, a lot of people, too many people, according mm. to the county government of Milwaukee County, too many, in fact, to keep up with. And, uh, and in response, er, and as a result, um, their claim is that so many people came to their parks that their parks were overrun and left in terrible shape as a result <laughs> of all the people coming out to their parks. And the county had to pay for the upkeep of those parts. Unbelievable. I can see where this Unbelievable is indeed. And therefore, in response, the county has, since Pokemon Go, required that if there is going to be any sort of... Not only did they, did they ban the usage of Pokemon Go, and there's I'm not going to go into the ordinances that they, uh, that they put up because of that, but suffice it to say that they've required that any game that wants to have stuff, host stuff in their parks, would have the same requirements as a business. And that would be, they would be required to um, have a permit to, you know, carry out an activity in a Milwaukee County park, pay money to reserve the park, um, and to obtain permits, uh, to obtain the permits and the dates set 
before the hand with all these scheduling of specific dates and times and so on and so forth. Um, so I don't know what Pokemon did as a result of that. And that's not, you know, that's not part of this, this legalese bit. But what is a part is that they passed those ordinances and they said, you want to do your augmented reality game in our parks, you must schedule beforehand, you must pay us money based on how many people who are going to show up and, uh, and you also have to have permits. Well, so Candy Lab is currently working on an augmented reality game. And for whatever reason, um, they are, tr well, I mean, I know why. They want to be able to do things in Milwaukee's parks without having to reserve, pay up front, and so on and so forth. And they are challenging this ordinance on um, the grounds that it's an infringement of free speech. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there that I feel like this is this is a bit of a stretch. I but agree. I agree. Their argument basically amounts to a kind of chicken and egg situation, saying that they can't actually be in compliance with the ordinance before they have money from the recent release of the game, but that the Milwaukee County government will require them to be compliant before it can be released, effectively preventing them from publishing. So, wow. I am very, very, you know, this is kind of interesting because I could see this going, you know, I could see this going to court and the judge throwing it out on the grounds that, well, you know, it's not actually preventing you guys. It's just preventing you from doing it in Milwaukee. Release it someplace not Milwaukee or at least don't have any of your augmented reality things occurring in Milwaukee parks. Um, but I could also see the judge saying that and also it going, but also you guys can't really stop people from playing games in your parks, Milwaukee County. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's not something that you can, that you can make an ordinance about. So who knows? But it is somewhat interesting that it's the augmented reality games, at least this week, that are bearing the uh, the title of champions of free speech in the gaming industry. That's right. It adds legitimacy to our cause. Of, Indeed, of gaming being you know an art form and all this. Which Forward the standard of gaming excellence and gaming free speech. Onward to the horizon, my friends. That is right. Well, guys, we have, we're, we're like actually going to finish within an hour today, Mac. We, we got everything right on point. We try to keep it to 60 minutes for you guys, just enough time for your commute. Uh, guys, this has been Two Nerds in a Pod, episode 26. Thank you for this journey that you're on with us. And, uh, and real quick, Mac, we like to do, that, to do that segment that we call what we've been watching and what we've been playing. Let us know mm -hmm. in the chat what you have been watching and what you have been playing. We'll talk about our stuff. We love recommendations. Mac, you want to lead off today? I do indeed. So Mrs. The Mac and I, we've been we've been watching a little something called Continuum, which has been kind of fun because Mrs. The Mac and I have been watching a lot of uh, a lot of Canadian sci-fi. And what I mean by Canadian sci-fi is I mean sci-fi that was filmed in Canada. And as such, uh, we started watching this uh, this one called Continuum. It's a new one for us. 
and a lot of the same actors and actresses that we've seen in in Canadian in other Canadian productions are also present in this. So it's kind of fun because we're seeing people we've seen before. We love them. And in a lot of ways, there's at least two that were definitely heroes in previous uh, um, in uh, previous sci-fis that are now villains in this one. And we love it. Great, you know, seeing a completely different side of, a, uh, of an actor or actress's range. Um, so we've been watching that. We've also been watching a little bit of Bill Nye Saves the World. How is um, that? Is it good? Okay. Um, we've got a minute. So I'll, so I'll answer the question. So I'm not a fan of Bill Nye Saves the World. Mostly because I feel like Bill Nye does a lot of yelling and flailing about. The best parts of Bill Nye Saves the World are the parts where he's not actually talking. I kind of feel like at various points in time, he start, opens up by saying that this is a show for adults. But I've never, but I've, but I've really felt talked down to a lot during the course of it. He's just yelling and yelling about how this is a big deal. Now, to be fair, I have only watched the first episode of Bill Nye Saves the World, but I just was really annoyed. Like there was this moment where they were talking about energy, renewable energy, and they had a panel of three people plus Bill Nye. Um, one guy was was saying we can do renewable energy 100% of the entire planet renewable energy by 2050 and it will be stable and i've crunched the numbers and he's like uh, he's a one of those number crunchers um and the second guy um the only words we heard out of his mouth was well what's interesting is we could get ourselves off of fossil fuels faster if we just built some more nuclear plants. And then the third one was this lady who practically all she got out of, uh, like, all she got to say was just like, you know what? Yes, we can get do 100% renewable energy by 2050. And that was about it. Because the first guy who was talking about renewable energy, he kind of dominated the whole thing. And then when the one guy was like, well, you know, we could throw some nuclear in there. Every, you know, Bill Nye and the first guy kind of teamed up and were like, no, that's stupid. Nobody wants renewable <laughs> or nobody, nobody wants nuclear. Right. And that's all they did. And it's like, and I feel like, Bill, look, if you wanted to have a discussion about this stuff, have a discussion. But if all you want to do is have one guy go on about how we can do all renewable, then don't make it a thing about a panel. Just have that one person come on and talk about it we'd be better served by him being able to get his full get his whole argument out there than having two people who get parts of an argument out there one person who doesn't say more than like five words that's that's not a discussion that's not a debate so right, i mean lots right. of stuff like that that kind of feel like like bill nye doesn't know what he's do what he's trying to accomplish as far as in making a tv show we're not questioning his scientific knowledge no, no. I mean, even though his PhDs are honorary, um, I would never question Bill Nye's scientific knowledge. Gotcha. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, Bill Nye's, <laughs> Bill Nye's, uh, Bill Nye's arguably better than me. But the fact of the matter is, is it's this this thing where it's like, you know, I feel like you're trying to make it just like the kids' show. But if it's supposed to be a, a show for adults, you need to leave the kiddie stuff back with the kids, and instead focus on engaging adults. 
um, the things that worked well for children don't work well for adults, and just yelling at me is not engaging, Bill Nye. I'm sorry. So now that I've gone on far too long about that, as for what I've been playing, I've just been playing a bunch of uh, a bunch of old games on the uh, Super Nintendo. That's all I've got to say, Mr. Nice Guy. Over to you. Sweet. And we're going to go a little over, Mac. It's okay. I feel like you rushed. I want to know what SNES games you're playing, my man. What SNES games you've been... been... Um, I've actually been trying to uh, get through one called... Um, Oh gosh! Now I now that you put me on the spot, I can't think about it. Um, That's okay. I'll is do my it Gunstar Heroes? No, no. You go for it, and I'll okay. I'll remember. So we have been, uh, and by we I mean me and Mrs. Nice Girl uh, have been watching this show, Madam Secretary. Really great political show. If you like The West Wing and shows like that, uh, it's it's a legitimately good show. I really really like it. Uh, her husband on the show is like an ethics professor. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually really think that your – I almost said your wife's name. I actually really think that your wife would like it uh, just mm-hmm. from having taken classes with her. You guys who, who don't know, Mac and I used to live in the same area. Um, I have a degree in political science. So does Mac's wife. We were in the same master's program for a little bit. So I know her and I know him very well. Uh, I would say that she would probably like the show just based on what I know of her personality. And I think you probably would too. Uh, but I'm not one to be like, oh, you got to watch this show because you know how annoying that is when uh, when people do that. Yeah. But uh, but a really good show. Uh, we also have been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I'm getting caught up on Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. uh, which is in its third season now, if you guys did not know. And then, of course, I got some 24 to catch up on. That's what I've been watching. As far as what I've been playing, I've been all about that Breath of the Wildlife. And then, uh, of course, I've been doing the new Overwatch event. Um the uh, the horde mode that it's not a horde mode but the uh, the new mode that they have on Overwatch I've been playing that and that is it for me Mac yeah it was uh it was um, Sunset Riders FYI I've heard of it that I was never the played it though remember. was it good yeah it's good stuff now it's good fun stuff. fact another game I started playing did you know that there was a Castlevania parody made game made for the Game Boy no dang it i'm gonna have to google the name it's a legitimate game boy game i just put it on the uh-huh. retro pie the raspberry pie yeah um it's interesting it's it's very game boyish it doesn't look like a castlevania game but it's good uh in the sense that i i think it's a well-made game it's a castle it's straight up a parody of castlevania for the original game boy so i've been playing that too <laughs> uh and that is pretty much it well in the chat we have people saying Watching Bosch Season 3 on Amazon Video, La La Land on 4K Blu-ray, playing Persona 5, Neo, Horizon, Forza Horizon 3, and Infinite Warfare. Well, Mac, I think that's our show, my friend. Do we have anything else we want to go over? Nope. Aside from just how awesome it is to see so many of you here, to have had you here, and for those of you who are listening afterwards, thank you. You guys are the best. Guys, we'll be back next Tuesday, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit us up on iTunes, two nerds in a pod. Leave a rating, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. And I'm going to drop a beat right now. We will see you next week. Thanks for coming through. You guys really are the best viewers on Twitch. Keep it nerdy!